Oh. Oh, I haven't had that before. Oh, recording. Oh, GDPR rules, probably, David. We're going to get thrown out of this podcast by the EU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh dear. All right. Well, it's we've been watching with Claire Woodward and David Stevenson. How are you, Claire? Very good. If a little damp, the weather's been nice, and then it started raining, so it's a good excuse to stay in and watch bad television, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a thin old week, really. Some things that have been relatively good, others um, I started liking, and then they faded from view, really. But um, it's not a bad, not a not a bad week, I guess. But yeah, the weather has helped you settle in a bit. But uh, I was distracted by the barbecue, of course. Anyway, always distracted by the barbecue. I mean, it's been one of those funny weeks where there's been quite a few things stripped over more than one night, which as a as an old television viewer, I find rather confusing. Yeah, in fact, I gave that the rocket this week, stripping. I, for some reason, I'm against it. In the TV terms, I'm certainly against the practice because, I mean, now that we have catch-up TV, I can't really see the point of it. Exactly. And I just think it sets things out of kilter completely. I mean, you know, I, I would rather watch something either on catch-up or once a week. And and then when you have some programmes, they sort of run, they're stripped over three nights and then they go weekly. I mean, it, it just, I think it just confuses the viewers rather than makes things an appointment to view. Yeah, I mean, we're back to the whole event television thing. Is it worth it? I mean, the, the viewer will make an event of the TV show if it's a great television show. If it's not, you can't make an event out of it by running it over consecutive nights it's, mm, mm. Um, so this week we'll have a look at um two stripped shows Anne Boleyn and Masked Dancer um in fact the pact is stripped show over consecutive nights I don't know whether that counts we'll have a look at that as well that was the end of that uh, I was going to say comedy thriller in fact for me it was a comedy thriller <laughs> I don't know about everybody else <laughs> And we'll have a look at live stories with Keir Starmer, which he seemed to survive, or did he? So Anne Boleyn over three nights um, on Channel 5. I mean, this was um, quite a well-told drama and a drama and a story that, that we know well along with it. And I must admit that having watched episode one and episode three I'm really none the wiser about what it was doing there in the end for me it felt a bit like a school play that I'd watched because <laughs> it, didn't to, it didn't seem to drift outside the castle walls I know she was in the Tower of London but there was no environment at all in the third episode particularly we had we had no sign of Henry what was he doing playing golf or probably real tennis I mean we, I would have liked a few shots of that but otherwise I couldn't see what was going on it could have been it could have been said in the 20th century absolutely i mean this is a drama i you know we all know channel five does really well with everything royal and i think this was just a step too far i just thought does this you know to quote something else which i can't remember is your drama really necessary if any adult in this country that watches any amount of television doesn't know the story of anne boleyn already um, I suggest they haven't been paying attention because I think there must be some law in broadcasting that every week there is some kind of programme about the Tudors. It's the most overtold period in history. And, you know, and I thought this added 
absolutely nothing to the story. I, I couldn't get into it. I, I, it just irritated me deeply. Yeah, it was hard to know what it was doing there, absolutely. Especially when we've had Wolf Hall, which is with Mark Rylance uh, in the role as Cromwell. That's probably one of the, the definitive Tudor drama, I would think. I mean, we haven't seen all of it, but that was an incredible performance, an incredible cast. I mean, mm. in this case, you could, on, on one side of the fence, some people will accuse Channel 5 of cynical casting. Mm. Um, and they got quite a bit of attention. There was also a lesbian kiss. I don't know whether that's cynical uh, storytelling or not. Um, that that was that was the oddest thing. And, and then Anne Boleyn saying, "I can see the appeal after she she kissed Jane Seymour." Um, and of course, that's probably not true. We don't know. I mean, lots of things are going on in the Tudor court. I, I don't expect that possibly was. But the, uh, the tagline at the start of it, inspired by truth and lies. So I don't know, I could not, what does that actually mean? Well, I've never seen that at the front end of, of, a, of a film before. I mean, why would you, why would you even say that? You know, you, you could just say, you know, some events have been fictionalized or, or, or uh, oh, it, it, that was just to appease the history fans, wasn't it? Who were just saying, oh, they'd never have a lesbian kiss and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just thought, you know, Jodie, Jodie Turner-Smith, isn't Jody it, lead actress? Yeah. yeah, I thought she deserved better. I think she's a fantastic actress. And I, you know, and because of the sort of race blind casting, she will get a lot of attention for this, but I think she really deserves better. Um, than to being cast in something as bland as this. I mean, as you say, you know, that school play thing, you know, it was really like, you know, Cromwell came to her in her rooms in the third part, and it was almost like, ho, 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 well, you know, if, if, if you've, got to, you've got to play up, girl, and, you know, you've got to be a good girl and do what we say. It was so simplistic. It was simplistic. Um, it was like you'd gone to the theatre in the sixth form or something to see it. That, that, that well, is, it, it was like, really. like the archers, wasn't it? Oh, we know. Hello, here comes Neil into the corner shop now. <laughs> I quite like when she complained about the peacocks. I thought that was, was that heavy symbolism, the peacock and Henry? That's what oh. I thought. Like, oh, it's pathetic. I'll go and hunt them down. And then I had this image of him having to eat this peacock or slaughter it <laughs> on his sort of massive dining table or something. I mean, I yeah, and then throw the that. bones over his shoulder. The other, uh, the other thing about it, it was it was a bit sort of po-faced as well. There was no humour at all. So there was no attempt to sort of give give the darkness a little bit of light at all. So it, it, in that sense, um, we were sort of weighed down by the impending tragedy all the time, which we knew about anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, it needed to be a bit more of a romp. I mean, it's interesting what you say about feeding into their royal coverage. I mean, was it was it there, I wonder, again, cynically, to feed into this sort of wronged royal person, royal royal woman in, in court? I mean, do you think it's sort of pandering to that? Yeah, I really do, because the programme that was on after the third episode was Megan, what went wrong? You know, so I don't know if they're sort of, you know, sort of running a series on wronged royals or something. But I mean, and, and there was also a trail for the new series, new um, season of Channel 5 drama on um, after the Anne Boleyn thing. And it said stories, you know, stories you don't. And I thought I'd really have some more stories I don't know thank you very much because what's the point in watching drama if 
we know we watch it because we want to be surprised and delighted and um and shocked sometimes and you know Anne Boleyn's story is still shocking but when you know what happens and as I say in such intimate detail um and there are so many great Tudor historians um why did we why was this even on especially over three nights when they could have condensed it easily into an hour and a half and actually they thought they did something very different with it but they really didn't they didn't move away from the story very much so um, this whole notion that they wanted to get away from um, factual storytelling and tell something very different as a, an historical drama, which is what the advisor to the show, Dan Jones, said, wasn't in fact true. I don't think it went, it went far enough. I mean, why didn't they just do something completely different and find a way of doing it? If you were, re if you were doing it on the stage, you were writing a play about Anne Boleyn now, you'd do something completely different. You'd modernise it, you'd absolutely go for it. And then mm. you feed into modern themes and everything else, rather than do colorblind, simple colorblind casting and think, well, does that make it any different? No, it doesn't really make it any different at all. That's no, not at all. Fallacy. No. That's a whole mm. fallacy, which does annoy me. Yeah, I think you've got producers thinking they're being a little bit edgy, whereas, you know, a great actress is a great actress. You'd have to be a, a terrible old racist to keep going on about this. But, you know, she is a great actress, but she deserved better than this, which I just thought was an old potboiler and badly told, as you say, in comparison to Wolf Hall, which was rich and deep and, you know, very historically accurate. This was, uh, you know, I can't see how the casual viewer not interested in history would, would have actually been drawn in by this. No, I mean, just finally, the, just on the casting, not to leave it, I mean, generally the cast, uh, the, the supporting cast, were not absolutely brilliant. And these are very complex roles. Cromwell, Henry is an incredibly complex character. So you need very good actors to draw it out. Otherwise, don't go anywhere near these characters. There's too much involved and we've got too much knowledge of them, haven't we, really? Exactly. It was nice to see Amanda Burton, though. I haven't seen her in anything for a while. So she played with the ladies in waiting. That was nice. But I honestly she think there is so... a word. <laughs> I know, and I went, oh, she's got nice and grey. But sincerely, I think there should be an absolute moratorium on anything Tudor for a couple of years. I mean, you know, my guilty pleasure is watching David Starkey programmes about the Tudors, because I think he's a great historian. But can we just leave them alone? There are other great stories. You know, you've got Bridgerton, you know, uh, examining the Regency period. And even if that's not historically correct, at least it's fresh. Um, enough Tudors already. Yeah, time out for the Tudors. Oh, Siri's just talked to us. That was interesting. Oh, just, that's good. At least agreed. someone's listening. Siri just agreed with time out for the Tudors. Oh, well done, Fantastic. Siri. God, the internet even, agrees even with my, us. Even my iPhone agrees with me. Fabulous. Well, at least somebody does, David. Well, two stars for me. Yeah, and for me, I mean, it was ugh, beige TV at its worst. So the pact on BBC One finally came to an end over two nights, over a mini stripping, I suppose, on mm. Monday and Tuesday night. Now, I kept going with this for quite a while. I don't know that I wasn't more amused by it than I was um, dramatised by it, if you like. I mean, it was the, the, there, there was drama there. They tried to create a lot of drama. But I find it I found it quite silly at points and couldn't really take it seriously, um, especially well, with the. Nancy the blackmailer I couldn't really get that story all the way through and of course spoiler alert she ended up 
owning up to doing the killing and went to prison for it, which made me think maybe that was just a lead in to a second series. I couldn't, I, I can't, oh. would we Would we have another series? It probably, the figures probably were quite good. Well, yes, they probably were. But I mean, again, this is one of those dramas. I thought this could be an hour and a half again. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, it was just endless, endless padding. And, you know, when I saw sort of Eddie Marson's character come in, I thought, oh, he's going to be something amazing. And, you know, they they pretty much, you know, popped his clogs fairly early. And it was just a load of bickering old women in a Welsh brewery um, with a bit of police shouting. And honestly, I and I did see the end coming from, from, from a mile off, I'm afraid, um, which is a shame, really, because I, I enjoyed the tension that built up in the first episode of, you know, w- will they get caught or won't they? I did find that incredibly tense, but it just turned into uh, a- another pot boiler that I didn't really care about. No, it's hard which to... Is a shame. Think... <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of cared for the family situation, but that got absolutely ridiculous, didn't it, in episode five? When in the middle of all this massive drama, they called in a family counsellor. I mean, I've never heard of a family counsellor, but I think I might call one in just for the fun of it one Friday evening. You've lived a very uh, sheltered life, David, and have a very happy family, obviously. But, you uh, know, get a bottle of wine out and see. And then, of course, they, they shooed away this family counsellor when everybody had left the room, and it turned out that he was £80 pounds plus fat. It was, it was the best line of the last two episodes. <laughs> it's £80, pounds and there was pause plus fat well <laughs> more of that please yes and then off he went but i did again i did quite like jason hughes performance when he went absolutely ballistic in the car you know you're destroying everything you're destroying everything and you know thumping the steering wheel and poor laura fraser sitting there saying think, i could see i could see her thinking oh my god he's gone completely bonkers <laughs> Yes, it was. I mean, you know, he's he's a good actor, and I think he, you know, he should be the lead in in something. Ideally, not another detective drama. Um, but as I say, and and when the uh, when his daughter was being sick at uh, at the sort of funeral, uh, I thought, you know, do you not realise now that she's pregnant by a Nurin Bevan's character, not a Nurin Bevan, a Nurin Barnard's character? Um, it was just <laughs> would have been brilliant if it had been Bevan. Wouldn't it have been fantastic if a new Bevan, the, the, the man who invented the <laughs> NHS, turned up in it? How fabulous! That's a good drama, Claire. Write that yeah, one. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll write that in our spare time. But um, I, I just, again, it was far too long, really far too long. And, and as you always say, David, in the, these days when there's so much television to watch. Um, I think, you know, when you can watch something in, in less than half an hour on Netflix and, and come away feeling satisfied, when you've got things like this that just go, seem to go on and on and on. I mean, was this six parts? It was six parts. And I mean, the thing I don't like, and, you know, of course, we've moved on, well, have we, from the days of the traditional Agatha Christie setup where you, you are revealed the killer that you don't realise you have been in the first five minutes or first 10 pages. Um, and then you've got to work it out for the next 200. What happened here, of course, was that you were introduced to a killer or the potential of a killer, you know, two hours before the end. So as an audience, you're not there with the mystery. You have to be there with the mystery, don't you? If you're not along mm. with the mystery, you're not engaged, are you? You're, you're thinking, oh, it's still going to be one of the women from the brewery all the time. And it sort of looked like that in a way. 
because they're all a bit of a they're all a bit of tendency to be psychos weren't they mm, but mm. um we, we weren't suddenly tam the daughter um she's pregnant she told ryan then they set off into the woods on those bicycles it was like um enid blyton meets <laughs> Yeah, all they need was to be the dog and some else. ginger beer to go on a murder spree. Yes. Let's go and get the brewery owner. Yeah, let's get the brewery owner because we only like lemonade. So I don't know. Yes. But I mean, it, it struck me that it was trying to go for the female demographic, you know, the women that like crime, the women who sort of, you know, have, have lots of female friends and blah, blah, blah. Um, a sort of girl, middle aged girl gang thing. But it was just, it's just too long. I mean, I, I would love to know how. Um, you know the, the broadcasters work out how long these series should be because surely some commissioning editor says this could do with slicing in half i think it's too late by that point i think they do, mm. they do i think they initially it'll be the commissioning editor and what slots are available as well i mean mm. there would be a lot of slots available now if you walked in with six hours of competent drama i think they'd just be hug, hugs everywhere forget the social distancing i imagine so, but I'll, I'll probably give it three stars just because I stayed with it the whole time over three weeks, which is quite unusual for me. My attention. Well, you did, you did want to know what happened at the end. I mean, I stuck with it to the end just to see what happened. But a second series, not not for me. Three stars. Yes, sorry, we're always in agreement, but there you go. Well, let's talk about. Piers Morgan's life stories with Keir Starmer, which uh, I think a lot of people were looking forward to, weren't they? Because there seems to be this yearning to get to know Keir Starmer more, even if you're an arch Tory, I think. Well, I, I and I, you know, it was obvious why Starmer did it. You know, he wants to sort of, uh, you know, get in touch with the voters and people not to think he's a robot. And um, I thought he came across rather well. Um, and I think, you know, Piers Morgan wasn't afraid to go in with a few basic good questions like, you know, why has why Labour lost four elections and what are you going to do next? Um, which I thought was absolutely right. But, you know, we did find out more about Starmer, um, you know, particularly with his relationship with his parents, which I thought was very moving. But has there been another politician do the live stories show? I can't think of anyone else. Not not recently, I don't think. I mean, it's more your sort of celebrity or performer, isn't it, that, that goes mm. on there. Um, I mean, the only thing I thought when it first started was that uh, it was quite chummy, and I thought that probably wasn't the right tone. They were both Arsenal mm. supporters, yeah. and I, I could see that they were quite friendly towards each other. Okay, I mean, we were, there, there was nothing high stakes about this interview. Don't get me wrong, but... Um, I, I thought that was maybe a little bit too friendly. I mean, the Rodney thing was, what did you think of that? I thought that was sort of bizarre in a way that he didn't like Rodney. And I thought it's one of the most popular characters ever in a sitcom. What are you doing? Stop it. It was bizarre. I mean, I did go to a wedding once and the groom's name, middle name was discovered to be Manuel, um, which was <laughs> another top comedy character and did raise quite a laugh in the registry office. But yes, it was odd, wasn't it? And because he had always named after my father, Rodney, and you do wonder whether that didn't come into play. His sort of, you know, difficult relationship with his own father. But that was never pursued, was it, by by Morgan. But, you know, this format is an interesting interview one, isn't it? Because essentially, it presu well, presumably, it comes out of the entertainment department of ITV. So, Well, also, 
also the thing about the format that struck me straight away and i hadn't watched it for a while it's basically this is your life but set in the studio where all the people are you know i mean i'd, I'd much prefer to have people coming out of the audience awkwardly oh sorry you know god yeah no i'm a girlfriend <laughs> yeah, make way make way coming up to the the stage and talking there but it, it's sort of close to that in a way but the thing that bugs me about it is that you know why not just sit there with a stopwatch and see how long is it going to be before Piers Morgan makes somebody cry you know, and, <laughs> you know well that's as, a raison d'etre isn't it it is but you know do it is that that but if you know that's coming and you know what the questions are and you do, it's that formulaic does it make the same sort of impact like it because you always unlock something with parents, you know, as new mm. interviews. And you know, if you know, if you want to touch uh, a raw note, you ask about, you know, are your parents still around? Um, this is not how every journalist should behave, of course, but mm. <laughs> I'm told this but you, works. But it's what it's it's what gets, you know, it's what makes, you know, we talk about event television, don't we? It's what makes this an event when you, you know, sort of do it. Piers does an interview and you discover something new about these people. Because I mean, often the people on the series. Or, you know, it's a very well-trodden path, you know, you know, if you're a television celebrity, we know everything about you already, where at least with Starmer, there was always going to be a sign that he might reveal something like, you know, he had a few, uh, a few spliffs when he was a student um, that we hadn't heard before. Um, so at least there was some expectation of you might hear something new out of this one. And I think uh, and I that was, I think he, I think what was great about that was that he kept just saying we had a good time. And that was brilliant in a way because it killed the story, didn't it? I thought that was mm -hmm. very clever, whether that was his idea or PR's idea, but he just kept saying that. And I realised, because if you say something that suggests more than that, it then becomes a clip and a soundbite that can be used endlessly. So it, mm. it sort of snuffed the story, didn't it? If there was one, if there was a story, really. But um, it was, I mean, Morgan is a good interviewer, isn't he? You know, and he's, he's a great, you know, that's what made him a great tabloid editor. He's good at stirring things up, which he was on, on, on GMB. Yeah, absolutely. Well, something needs to happen with GMB. It does need to be stirred up after his departure. I don't know whether you got to see the ratings or not, but uh, Susanna Reid has been off uh, for this week uh, for the half term. And the episode, which was presented by... Adel, Adel, Adel Ray and um, uh, who did Strictly? I've forgotten her name, which is terrible anyway. <laughs> but um, that got barely 660,000 viewers, which is donkingly low. I mean, that's sort of tanking, isn't it, really? Well, I mean, you know, much as, you know, Piers Morgan, you know, uh, sticks in my craw sometimes. At least he makes something, and you know, when you're producing a daily television show, it must feel like a sausage machine sometimes, you know. And obviously, you know, you have to fill X amount of hours. But you know, Morgan, you know, he was he wasn't irritant, but at least he gave the program some kind of flavour and attitude. You know, you might love him, you might love to hate him, but at least he was um, some kind of great personality on the show, and also a very knowledgeable man and a great journalist. So. There, there is something kind of missing there from, from GMB at the moment. Well, let's talk about The Masked Dancer. Not The Masked Singer, The Masked Dancer, which um, ITV have come up with. I mean, I think this format, like everything, comes from America. I mean, all I thought immediately... I think, it's, is, I think it comes from South Korea. 
does it? South Korea have a lot of yeah. love dancing and singing. Well, they like singing, don't they, there? Because they've got K-pop. Now we've got TV pop. Is that what we've ended up with? Uh, this is what we've ended up with. I mean, I think this is a case of let's take a format and frog it to death and wring everything out of it. Because watching celebrities sing, I think, is another matter. I mean, I thought it was a bit of genius in the last series of The Masked Singer when they had the lead singer of Aha sing one of his own songs, but slowed <laughs> down. So well done to you, Morton Harkett slash Viking. But this is just, it misses out that personality thing. I mean... I was, I, mean, I was watching it and thinking, well, it must be difficult to dance with those stupid big bloody heads on. So that doesn't yeah, that I just take kept thinking, God, this can't have been recorded in the summer. And then I thought, God, the next character that I'll do is Aircon, because that's what you'd want if you're inside one of those <laughs> bloody great costumes. No, I didn't really get it. I enjoyed the first episode that went out um, last Saturday night. And then... <laughs> I hadn't looked ahead in the schedules, then realised it was going to strip partly across the week, and I thought I caught another episode. And I just then I was totally bored with the whole. Oh God, it's Nigel Farage. No, it's Mary Berry. It's Fiona Bruce. <laughs> and it, this is the whole thing. Um, maybe I'll go back now and rewatch this program and see how much of the program is actually dancing, and how much of the program is a far too large panel. We know they're sort of you can have five five members of the panel go, "Ooh, you're really good." And Jonathan Jonathan Ross is rather long running, good run long running, long running joke about is it Mary Berry? But you know, it's not really entertaining watching. Um, watching people go, is it someone from a girl band? And, oh, aren't they good? It, it's, it's just tiring. And, and an hour of that? Yeah, I mean, basically, what you if you were on the panel, you'd just get a copy of OK or Hello magazine and just keep <laughs> flipping through, wouldn't you? Yeah, Mary exactly. Berry. Yeah, no, Lorraine Kelly. No. Uh, I, mean, on, I, it, I didn't really get I just lost. I just lost the will a bit after two and a half episodes and you can't do a 90 minute installment each time it's it's too much it's really asking a lot of the audience I suppose they thought well it's half term week uh, there'll be children watching so let's give them this really really long show and the parents will love us for doing that but it just takes more than that and you're right they did ring it out with the panel it was too much I like Mo Gilligan. He comes out with some quite funny lines, but really, oh yeah, this, this, he's always I mean, guessing every... which member of a girl band the women are, isn't he? That's why that's why he's funny. But I think he's great. I think he's a great talent. I I really like him. But you know, like with Jonathan Ross, though, Mo and Jonathan should be doing something more. You know, they're yeah, really great talents. They're better. great with people. They should be doing something better. So we allow them to see there was the clever blokes they really are. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, I suppose that's um, asking a bit of commissioning departments, really. I mean, when these formats come along that have been tried elsewhere, I just think they just must rush to get their hands on them because they know it's just going to be TV gold. And Masked Singer has been that. I just wonder what's going to come. I mean, I was speculating on something. Masked Gardener. I thought of other formats <laughs> that are all over the top. Masked mask, Chef. Masked Chef that's a good Cook, one. I yeah. thought. The Masked Chef would be going, now who's cooked that up? I mean, I would probably watch that, but in a different form. Albert Roux, you know. I mean, how long is it before they're going to come up with someone who's dead? That would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? The Masked Embalmer, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> the, what about the late Masked Singer? That would be good, wouldn't it? 
That'd be fantastic. Yeah, via, via oh, I could say via Doris Stokes, but she's dead now. But it is, you know, it's, it's, and if you say, you know, if they think they're aiming for the family audience, think again, because kids are watching, you know, 30 second videos on TikTok. They are. Um, I suppose the thing is, it does look fantastic. It's like a sort of Bridgerton, but in entertainment format, you know, absolutely, you know, just a sort of riot of colours and, um, you know, very entertaining to watch on screen. And I suppose they mm. get away with that. People are going, going, oh, God, look at beetroot. I mean, I don't know whether beetroot was put there. So for the vegan audience. <laughs> yeah, beetroot is a very popular thing at the moment, isn't it? But as you say, the Masked Singer really, uh, there's been no surprises so far for me on the revelations. I mean, on the Masked Singer, when they had um, Alan Johnson, the former politician, oh, yes, old, who, I, who I guessed. And I just thought that was fantastic. You know, that was a genuine surprise. But to see Zoe Ball, who, who's been amazing on Strictly Come Dancing, was not the big reveal that uh, that I would like to see. No, I think far too much television thrown at this show, really, just far, far too much. Um, I'll probably give it three stars just because I did watch more than I thought that I would do. And yeah, yeah, and I, again, I'd give it three. It's middle of the road stuff. And she say it's that visual zap you don't often see, certainly on weekday television. But yeah, uh, uh, be true, whatever, yeah. I and just to finish, Claire, I hear you've got a hidden gem that uh, not many of us have heard of. Um, and it's not on scheduled television either. It's and, not on scheduled television. Yeah, it's a it's a Bravo series from, I guess it's probably about five or six, even longer years uh, old now. It's called Tabitha Takes Over. And she's this right like children's television. I know, isn't it? It's like some nanny programme, but it, in, in a way she is. She's a former hairdresser who was on some American salon reality show. And she goes into various business. And like Alex Polizzi, she sort of, you know, goes in, takes over, is quite stroppy with people and everyone's happy at the end. Some of these businesses are hair salons and some of them are really sort of heartwarming things. Like there's one about, you know, the, the one of the first gay bars in um, a, a town in California and they just need some help. And she goes in and gives them some tough love. But what I, I like about her is she's, she's completely no nonsense, this woman. She's rail thin, blonde, the cheekbones you could cut cheese on. Um, but she kind of really makes things happen. And I, I kind of like this dynamic American thing. And I like the feel good thing at the end. I'm clearly watching far too much reality television. I am the woman who watches far too much Quest Red, you know, my 600 pound life. I, I just like watching really fat people um, bobble about and then have some weight loss surgery. So bad reality television. I think it's, it's been a great comfort to many of us during lockdown. And uh, if lockdown happens again, I shall keep recommending it to people. So Tabitha, Tabitha takes charge. Is it? I can't remember what it's called, but it's on YouTube. I think that's great, isn't it? Finding something on YouTube. YouTube is the sort of repository of all this stuff now, isn't it? I mean, you can mm. get clips, everything, long form. You can subscribe. People subscribe to YouTube. I find that extraordinary, but it is a great... I mean, I spend a lot of time in there looking at clips of um, theme tunes and various things. Mm. I've bored everyone senseless running through American TV theme tunes the other day, and then no one had heard of a single one of them. I realised, God, you've watched too much American TV. It's quite interesting using YouTube when you're around other people to see 
what people fanatically search for, isn't it? Absolutely. So what's the best TV theme tune ever, David? Oh, the best TV theme tune ever. Um, gosh, that's oh, that's quite difficult. Gee, well, I, I know I'm, what, either Dal I'm either Dallas or Dynasty because I confuse them all the time. It'd be one or one or t'other, I think, or probably Gilligan's Island. Oh, for me, it's the Rockford Files. Oh, that's great, isn't it? With the Which is just, the, yeah, the phone call. Phone call, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great yeah. call. Uh, yeah, we, need so, a new, we need a new Rockford Files, don't we? If anyone can rustle one up, that'd be lovely. That was charming. But I think what we want is, uh, come on, tell us on Twitter what your favourite TV theme tune is. That'd be lovely. And don't forget to leave voice messages. You can leave voice messages. I don't know what we do with voice messages, but it'd be nice <laughs> to get some voice messages as blunt as possible about what you think about this yeah. podcast. A bit, a bit like Tabitha, you can be completely blunt and tell us, yeah, tell be, us what you think. Be, be rude, be rude. and more Yeah, be, be Piers Morgan, be an irritant. Yeah, absolutely. So until we hear some more voice messages and report back on them, it's been great, Claire. <laughs> Have a good viewing week next week. And you, here's to the next one.